This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by Poker Night. Ah, Poker Night. Just four men sitting around a green felt table, smoking cigars, and comparing their favorite wrought iron fireplace pokers. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Grunt Work, the podcast where we are watching the television show Home Improvement, episode by episode, and breaking it down for you each week. I'm your host, Landon, joined always by... Truman Caps, the other host. <laughs> I guess I don't uh, need to introduce myself as the other host. You're hearing my voice. I'm clearly yeah, one of the hosts. But you know what? I don't even need to introduce myself as a host. I mean, I feel like it's implied that we... that just anyone speaking into a microphone is hosting... A show if they're introducing it. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't want to continue micromanaging this because I think it was a good introduction. But you also say, welcome to a new episode of Grunt Work. And it's like, how trippy would it be if this was an old episode of Grunt Work? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was waiting to pull that for our Doctor Strange episode. Ah, too bad. Too bad. Is that a thing that happens in Doctor Strange? <laughs> uh, no, but it's a thing that happens in Home Improvement. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I don't know where that was going. You, you twisted my brain into a pretzel again. We always get our <laughs> deepest stuff out the gate. Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes into the episode. Landon, how are you doing tonight? What's on your mind? Oh, uh, not a whole lot is going on uh, up in the old noggin. Oh, Uh, I, I, you know, I I think still waters run deep, Landon. (laughs) Well, I am thinking about this episode of Home Improvement that we watched. Um, uh, I did, I had a thought, and I was hoping to kind of weave it into the episode itself, but maybe I'll just kind of throw it out here. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Because I didn't have it while watching the episode. I just had it kind of walking down the street the other day. Uh, and I was waiting for a good tool time moment to bring it up, but last week's episode was so great that it had to be talked about on its own volition, right? Yeah. So I, I, I like the idea. From the way you phrased it, you, you, I was walking down the street and I was waiting for a good tool time moment to bring it up. I like the idea that you're walking down the street waiting for a tool time moment to happen. <laughs> I'm just to you. waiting for strangers to talk, talking to me about tool time. You're just waiting for a guy in an ugly tie to injure himself so you can tell him <laughs> that you don't think so. Please continue. I don't think so, German. Um, so. Okay, we've talked a little bit, and we've gotten a few answers about Tim's uh, how Tim has become the host of Tool Time yes. uh, with his ineptitude. I mean, he has – it's a weird dichotomy because he has a passion and knowledge for tools, but doesn't seem to know how to use them. It, it's like none of the information that he's amassing is going in. It's, just, it's like <laughs> – right. yeah, the sponge soaks it up, and then it gets wrung out. Or it, it, it rese- uh, resonates strictly on a trivial level, not on a, a practical level. Um Anyhow, I wondered if this is like, uh, you know, this is obviously cable access, which we've uh, uncovered throughout this season. We discussed uh, at length. <laughs> at length. Um, I- I'm wondering if this, Tim is one of the first iterations of like a Dr. Oz, where he's like, <laughs> not, you know, actually a doctor. I mean, he's purporting to be a handyman, but he's not actually a handyman. He's just a personality pretending to be a a handyman? Uh, I don't know. That that thought kind of occurred to me. Do you think – then does that make Al Oprah? Because <laughs> like, if I recall, Dr. Oz – wait, no. Wait, no. I'm going to – Dr. Phil was Phil. the Oprah. Well, Dr. Oz is a doctor. He is a cardiologist yeah. at, at Columbia. He just has completely tarnished his reputation with uh, – <laughs> all... so are you, are you saying are – you, are you suggesting that he's more of a Dr. Phil or more of a do- – like, did you mean Dr. Oz? No, I meant Dr. Oz, but I'm opening up – for discourse, I wasn't excluding Dr. Phil from that. I just kind of meant uh, a sham doctor uh, 
uh, equating to a sham handyman on full time. A, a handy sham. Uh, <laughs> I think that, well, but Dr. Oz, though he says sham things, he is a legit doctor. Like, if you, like, listen, well, if. You uh, know what? So is. Bill Cosby, and I'm no longer calling him Dr. Cosby. Well, but is, but he's a doctor of, like... Philosophy, maybe? Yeah, yeah, like, no, like, a doctor of... Philo- in the apocalypse, a doctor of philosophy isn't going to operate on your inflamed appendix. Dr. Oz <laughs> can do that. Dr. Oz is a doctor of, like, okay. medicine. Dr. Phil is nothing. Dr. <laughs> Phil is just a guy who, I, I mean, or is he a doctor of something? He's not a medical doctor. He, he probably is also a doctor of something, even if it's just honorary. At this point, um, I'm sure, you know, okay, so let, let's go a little broader for the, the show, The Doctors, uh, <laughs> where it's just a panel of people claiming to be doctors. A panel or, of good-looking doctors, suspiciously attractive <laughs> doctors. <laughs> Amazing that these four super-skilled doctors are all so good-looking. They yeah. found the best ones, and they all are great-looking. <laughs> well, and that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of what I'm, I'm posing here, is that, like, We've seen Mr. Binford on the show, and we've seen his um, his love for Tim as a personality, as someone who can sell and peddle his tools and whatever the bin- new Binford product is. Yes. Um, and I, so I guess I'm just wondering, I mean, there's no doctor school equivalent to uh, being a handyman. I'm sure there's certificate programs and there's, there's vocational schools. Yeah. So, do you think Tim has gone through one? I mean, there's no like, there's no letters to it uh, to attach to a, a handyman. Yeah, I, I, or a craftsman. I, I would be a little more accurate. I, well, I mean, we know that Tim went to Western Michigan. Yeah, or he, he went. He did go to college. I mean, well, that's never addressed on the show, is it? I can't remember if he I mean, ever he w- says on the show. He's always he never, wearing the attire, but yeah, and I think he's mentioned college before because isn't that where he and Jill met? Like he talked about oh, his him dorm and Stu. room, his Stu Cutler. Yeah. yeah. So it seems most likely to me Tim would either have majored in broadcasting mm. or but I get like a four year college wouldn't offer a vocational degree in like carpentry. That's maybe like, I don't know. It's some like a minor, maybe. Yeah, maybe went through an apprenticeship program, or maybe it was maybe you went to tech school. I don't know really. Yeah, uh, I think I mean because I went to a university, but I also went to a couple, uh, I guess, vocational schools or you know certificate schools, if you will. Um, so, I mean, he could have gone to multiple places. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Tim has multiple degrees. He's like a, he's got a PhD in something. He's, you know, maybe it is Dr. Taylor. May, may, yeah. He's, he's got, he's got a PhD in, in something like, you know, Renaissance art or something like that. <laughs> but he, he, I know. And he, it's that self-loathing that leads him, leads him then to, to turn to yeah. tools to try and get away from that. <laughs> maybe, maybe Tim's parents were both. Uh, humanities professors who were insistent that their son would go into uh, fine art study, and Tim rebelled against. Him, was like, "No, I'm going to have a blue collar job, Dad. I'm going to restore <laughs> hot rods and do manly things. And there's nothing you can do about it." What if uh, Tim Taylor is the stepbrother to uh, Niles and Frazier, and oh. uh, he's the long lost? <laughs> oh man, I'm just I'm just picturing Tim walking into Frazier's house and Martin like standing up and and they look at each other and there's something like passes between them and Tim just goes nice chair and Martin's like thank you my other sons don't get it <laughs> you know that kind of makes more sense I, I think it does I hope all of you listening have have seen both home improvement and Frasier and understand the joke I'm making about Frasier's dad's chair <laughs> uh, th- I feel like 
listening to this podcast is like majoring in home improvement and minoring in Frasier. You get you get a kind of a Frasier <laughs> contact high when you when you oh for sure work. Yes, uh, I would completely agree with that. So I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion on whether or not Tim is a sham handyman. I mean, handy sham, <laughs> handy sham, sham wow, shamdy man. <laughs> no, sham wow, sham wow is the one. <laughs> um. But anyhow, it was just a thought that occurred to me. Uh, let's. Why don't you uh, bring us through what happened in this episode? Well, if you insist, Brandon. I, I insist. I demand it. You well, well, command. Oh, whoa, whoa! I'm sorry. I thought we were co-hosts. <laughs> I, am I your assistant? I assist you. Assist me with no. I want you to take the reins on the the synopsis. Well, I think so, Landon. <laughs> Tim is excited, and why is Tim excited? It's because it's poker night. And uh, Poker Night happens at his place, just four dudes around the table with some cigars and some cards, some betting, a $3 limit. Uh, But unfortunately, at the uh, end of uh, this week's Tool Time episode, Tim finds out that uh, their regular fourth man can't make it. And so he invites Al to join them and complete the uh, circle of uh, four (laughs) dudes at the table. So that night, the lineup for Poker Night is Tim, uh, one of his friends who's a guest on Tool Time, Al, and then Tim's brother-in-law, Charlie. And so the plan is that Charlie and uh, Tim's sister-in-law, uh, Jill's sister, uh, Aunt Robin... <laughs> Typically how that works. I guess it is. <laughs> well, I, you know, some people don't know this, and now I'm filling, filling in the blanks. I don't want to leave anyone behind. How do families work, Truman? <laughs> oh, if only I knew. <laughs> That's what we're finding out. It's home improvement. That's very true. Uh, so, uh, anyway, the plan is that uh, Robin and Charlie are going to come over. Robin and Jill and the boys are going to go out, and then Charlie and the three dudes are going to sit around playing poker. Uh, but alas... Robin and Charlie have gotten into a big fight in the car on the way over, and uh, then uh, Robin is so pissed off that she doesn't want to go out, so she and Jill are upstairs, and they're angry. Well, Jill is trying to calm Robin down. Robin is angry, and Charlie is downstairs with the guys, and Robin keeps coming down and interrupting them, and the guys are saying, well, you got to do something about this. So over the course of the evening, the guys coach Charlie on how to apologize to your wife. Meanwhile, upstairs, Jill coaches Robin on how to train your husband to be a better man, and eventually these two young lovers uh, are helped to reconcile. And uh, then Tim and Jill play a little bit of poker themselves. And that's actually not a sex joke somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they go all in. I, they, uh, there's, there's, I, an all, I, there's an all in joke there somewhere. Here's the thing, Landon. I don't I, actually make the jokes. I just point out where the jokes are. Yeah, you, you kind of, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you dig over there, you might find one. You're sort of you're sort of the the joke guide. You're the joke Sherpa, if you will. <laughs> That's a lot more uh, generous than I would. I kind of see myself as the couch potato jokester. It's just like I'm not going to actually get up, but you know, go get me a joke out of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you bring us some more ice cold jokes? <laughs> hey, can you pick up some jokes on your way over? We're we're fresh out. No, I really I think joke Sherpa is it. It's like a bunch of tourists come. And they want to find jokes, but they don't know how, but they need someone to point out where the jokes are so they can dig them up themselves and get a nice picture for everybody back home. That's me. This is a very conceptual bit. Uh, so let me let me say, yeah. uh, I, I identified strongly with Al in the... Well, I identify strongly with Al in every episode, but yeah. this one particularly, because Al doesn't know how to play poker, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to play poker, and so many guys have tried to teach me how to play poker. I yeah. think you have invited me to play poker with the guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we've we've done a poker night. And and I have I have stone-cold refused, and listen, there's nothing, Landon, I want to tell you right now, there's nothing I would like more 
than to hang out with you and two of our other friends. We do have other friends. I'm not going to mention their names on this podcast, <laughs> but we hang out with other guys. <laughs> they don't get that much honor out of well, us. Well, yeah, yeah. But there's nothing I would like more than to hang out, but I just know from past experience, mm-hmm. me at Poker Night turns Poker Night into teach Truman how to play Poker Night and Truman loses horribly and brings down the whole game night. <laughs> well, okay, let's just dive right into this. Cause I, I have, I have uh, issues and questions with the depiction of Poker Night here. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, and I feel like the the '90s were the main culprit of this, but I have to imagine it still occurs today. We we indict the '90s pretty heavily on this show. <laughs> we do. Uh, it's almost as if this show took place in the '90s. In, in the '90s, when people were just killing each other in the streets and just like eating raw meat like out of the gutters, because the '90s you could do that. Um, but there's this. <sighs> Depiction of poker night as a man's thing where men work out their, their problems, they commiserate, they like, they're making these, uh, you know, kind of misogynistic-ish jokes, uh, while, you know, in between hands and, and biting on a stogie. It's just like, it's a very stereotypical. It's, I was gonna go with trite, a very trite depiction of what actually occurs during a poker night. I've never encountered a poker night where guys are are male bonding in that sort of way. Yeah, this is definitely... I think it's as though the writers condensed 30 years of poker nights they'd all been going to into one night, and you just get the most purest <laughs> distillation of what that is. Yeah. Uh, my big thing, uh, poker night happening at the house, uh, the Taylor house. They've got their, their nice poker table set up in the living room, and four dudes smoking stogies in, in the, the house. house. Yeah. Are you... Disgusting. Are you? It's because Tim isn't a smoker. Jill isn't a smoker. They have yeah. three children, and you, th- that room is going to stink forever. You have to sell the house and <laughs> yeah. burn it down. You don't get that smell out. When my dad would go to poker nights, uh, they would be at somebody else's house, and guys would be smoking cigars. My dad mm-hmm. didn't smoke. He would come home from poker night. Mom would stop him in the laundry room. She would stop him in the laundry room. He would undress there, and mom would throw the clothes straight into the into the washing machine. She didn't want that shit near our house. <laughs> That story conflicts me so much because I understand every side of it, <laughs> but as a man being forced to strip naked in the laundry room before going into my own house feels a little like, but I get it. I don't I, want no. that stench anywhere near my belongings. I, I think, honestly, it, it doesn't offend me at all purely because I know my dad and A, my dad yeah. was going to these poker nights, not because he necessarily wanted to, but because he felt like it would be good, like he knew... Like, Dad, mm-hmm. my dad isn't really into poker or, yeah. like, he knows how, he's better at it than I am, certainly. But he, he would go because these were work friends, they'd invite him. Dad was, right. by and large, a family man, but he wanted to make, he wanted to not just be Mr. Alienation yeah. to these dudes. So he would go and play poker, and kind of, it was doing his duty, but he hated the smoke, too. And I think, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Dad's idea. Like, oh, honey, I'm just gonna get undressed, <laughs> I just don't want to bring the smells inside, it's just, it's just worse. Well, this is, and I'm not gonna touch on your dad's experience too much here, but... Uh, it sounds to me like he even had an idea of what a poker night is, and maybe I'm the one that has a misconception of what poker night is, that I've just never experienced the male bonding. To me, it's like I'm going to decimate my opponent, I'm going to get in his head. I mean, there's there's no... <sighs> to me, it feels like they... All of poker nights condensed into dogs playing poker... <laughs> And then all of media looked at dogs playing poker and deconstructed it back into what they thought Poker Night was supposed to be from that. Uh, 
yeah. So I just I I, I think it builds a, a weird um, picture of masculinity that just isn't accurate. Uh, even even more than it just being of its time, yeah. it's just like I don't think that this dynamic between men has ever existed in any poker game that's ever existed. I said that twice. I, well, no, and and it, well, <laughs> double, I, you, double my point. You you, you well, uh, yeah, you drove it home. Maybe I'll edit one of the times that you said it out. So, it, but I'll leave in that you said it that you say <laughs> that you said it twice. In my experience, I mean, the few poker nights that I've gone to, A, they probably weren't, that wasn't an accurate representation because the whole night was spent with me not understanding how it worked and people trying to help me along and then invariably getting frustrated at Mm -hmm. me for not picking it up. But I I think that part of it rings true that I think that the reason guys play poker, so you you seem like a real card shark. Like you're, you're like, no, (laughs) I I wouldn't say that, but but you say you enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, Like, would you consider yourself good at poker? You enjoy the game? I enjoy the game. I wouldn't consider myself good at it. I understand it. You're focused on decimating your opponent. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, you want to reduce your opponent by 10%. Well, I can't level the playing field in a social context, but I can with cards. (laughs) Uh, Well, if the, if the, if the social engagement is one that's related to talking about home improvement, you can, you can level the playing field and then some you can you can level <laughs> all aspects of the playing you can dig a hole in the playing field going beyond just leveling it. oh if life were only that way no oh, what a tortured metaphor i made <laughs> in my experience it it tends to be less about actually playing the game and more about a bunch of dudes getting together and talking like that is that is the reason for the game it seems like when you play in the crowd that you play with it's more about we love this game we love the sport of it yeah like my when when I have gone, it's like the the intention seems to be yeah the game is one thing, but it's really about it's an excuse for us to get together. And in my life, what the, that has been served by uh, Dungeons and Dragons or getting together with my friends, getting high and watching a bad movie, right? Which it, it's you know my sort of I, I I lack the mental capacity for card games, but I still want to hang out with people. That's well, this is the whole point that I'm getting to is that you you claim that that's the, the poker nights that you've gone to are about the male bonding and whatever. Yeah. Has that been your experience, though? Because I don't... I think that the perception is incorrect. I don't think that that's what's actually happening. Because it is... The premise of Poker Night is a competition-based thing where I'm going to steal your money. I'm going to understand your psyche and undermine you. And it's a war game. I th- I don't... I You know, I don't think so, Landon. I, I honestly... <laughs> right. I. You know, I think that for a lot of, certainly there are very competitive poker players out there, and I would, I would say that your experience is probably, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like you're the only one who has played okay. poker that way. I think that there are a lot of poker games that happen, or a lot of, you know, a lot of guys who have these weekly poker games where it's a bunch of family men. Yeah. I think that the idea there really is that, that this is just us getting together and this, this is, are one night out a month yeah. that we get. And so maybe it's not, maybe they go into it intending to play the game seriously, but what ultimately is the most important, it's not the love of the game. Yeah. It's the fact that I'm talking with my friends. And even if it's not intended to be a masculine thing the way Tim is blowing it out to be, it kind of becomes that. Like, right. how, how many women do you know who get together with three of their female friends to play poker and they, and they hold that in very high esteem? Uh, I just have one question. What's a woman? Okay, okay, fair point. <laughs> I'm not sure myself. Ris- <laughs> listeners, write in. I, or how many? Po- I, I, no, I, I get the point that you're you're driving at, though. How many poker nights do you know of where it's mixed gender, mm-hmm. some guys and some women? I the ones that I've been to, it's always been all guys, and I'm not yeah. suggesting that women can't play poker. I'm not suggesting right. that women don't play poker. 
But much in the same way that there's this perception in society that men become engineers and well, men do math shit, I think it's also men play poker. Let's, let's tie that back into this episode here because that's a big part of what we're dealing with where, you know, Tim is like we – at the outset of the episode – we need a fourth person to play poker, otherwise we can't. And is the the guest on Tool Time that I guess is also his friend, Seem that they're, way. they're playing poker with, um, is like, well, why don't we just cancel? <laughs> and in the most television moment of television, <laughs> enter L. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, how about we invite L? Yeah, um, and get him to go. But it is very much a. Women can't be in the house. Children can't be in the house. Tim even says that uh, yeah. before poker night. is like, you guys have to go to this arts and craft thing because this is men smoking sogies and touching themselves in weird places. And <laughs> that He phrased it differently. That makes it sound like a totally different thing. <laughs> Men are just going to be – it's going to be a big circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why it's a round table. What do you think? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to come back off that one. Give me a sec. I well look. I actually I side with Tim in this. I when Tim was like, there can't be any women or any kids around. I was like, yeah, okay, that's a fair point. It's a, it's this is specifically a men's night, mm. and they want to have a certain level of freedom and privacy. Also, if I'm the sort of crazy man who smokes cigars inside his house where children live, I mean, I wouldn't want the children to be there when it's happening. Sure, yeah. I wouldn't want my kids to see me smoking a cigar or directly inhaling the smoke of course yeah. i also wouldn't want them inhaling it from the drapes for the next 12 years <laughs> why, why do you think randy almost had cancer tim it's because you're smoking in the house <laughs> oh too soon i too, well yeah it is not, too soon. not soon enough well no because no, we're it, not even there yet no it is it is literally too soon we haven't seen that episode <laughs> well that's right it's happening under our noses i there you did the hitler mustache come on man <laughs> If you're not going to let me do my snooty waiter mustache, then you're not allowed to touch your nose at all, period. <laughs> uh, deal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're not playing poker, dude. You're so competitive with this. <laughs> no, so I don't inherently disagree with you. I just – I think I disagree with uh, Tim's stalwart mentality about demanding it being only men. Sure. If he were to be later, you know, he even kind of addresses this in a much, you know – at the end of the episode, when, uh, you know, the sister and brother-in-law leave, they've kind of made up. Tim's like, I just wanted a night with the guys. Yeah. And Jill's like, I could give you that to you. Yeah. Like, that I understand, and that, that approach I understand. But coming out the gate with, like, this is a men's night only, no women allowed, get the kids out of here, we're going to smoke in stogies, this is men only activity, like, it's it's a little... Yeah, okay, let me flip it. Let okay. me flip it on you, because I, I still... Uh, okay. Uh, in this episode, the guys are downstairs. They're playing their poker. Uh, yeah, and, in the dining room. In the dining room. And then be, due to the fight, uh, Robin stays home, and she and Jill are both upstairs, and they have made uh, beauty facial masks, mm -hmm. uh, and, those green facial yeah. like masks they put on their faces. Uh, how many guys' events have you been to where the guys put on beauty facial masks? None, but I am a guy, and I've been to a woman's thing where I've put on a facial mask before. Okay, well, hey, props for whose thing was this? Someone I know was this one of our friends? <laughs> Can I get on in this? Like, would my poor like you have? See, you're interested. So, if the woman told you no, you cannot do this, you would want to go 
fuck you. I'm gonna. I wanna. I wanna do a facial mask. Well, to, to be honest, I wouldn't 100. Look, look. Here's the thing. <laughs> if I was in a situation where people were doing fa- like where women and men were doing facial, ma- look, look. I'm I'm confident enough in my sexuality that that if I wanted to do a facial mask thing that yeah. is traditionally a female thing and stereotypically a female thing, I'd do it because yeah. hey, if you if you're gonna look at that and say that I'm gay, well then I'll just sit here not being gay, and then you're wrong, and also who cares if I'm gay anyway? Uh, I I think, but I I think that women sitting on a bed watching old movies, eating junk food with facial masks on and talking about men mm. is st- a stereotypically female thing in the same way that guys playing poker together is stereotypically male. And a man okay. in that environment, at least a heterosexual man in that environment, would be out of place. Look, I think that later on in the episode, uh, so once once uh, Robin and, and Charlie work out their thing, the guys are able to coach yeah. Charlie into apologizing to, uh, to uh, Robin... Um, they, they make up and leave, presumably to go have sex, because that just runs in the, in the family, I guess. <laughs> once Taylor, you, or whatever, yeah. we don't know Jill's surname yet, Actually, but, yeah, uh, well, yeah. what, what is we'll, her, we'll find it out sometime name? at some point, but, well, uh, it, on that side of the family, it certainly seems to be a, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a gene. They, they are, they take their makeup sex very seriously. George <laughs> Costanza would be right at home in, in, in Jill's family, <laughs> except, well, no, but, uh, <laughs> it's not like the whole family with each other no you know no. what let's not contemplate that at all <laughs> but you're welcome for putting it in your head anyway uh they leave and jill then wants to join the poker game and jill displays just in sitting down and shuffling the cards mm-hmm. jill displays far more knowledge of poker than al has yeah and, and more than tim gives her credit for yeah and, and tim tim is just adamantly opposed to her being a part of the night and refuses to even though the other guys want her to and mm-hmm. tim makes this big thing about it and I'm looking at this situation, and it's like, I would love to play poker with Jill. Like, Jill yeah. is game for it. She knows what she's doing. And I I don't know. T- I think I think up front, Jill is being... I don't even think Jill is being unreasonable. I think up front, Tim is perfectly justified to want there to be no women or children in the house for sure. poker night. But then when that, when that dream is proven to be impossible, and Jill comes down to join them, I think Tim is being unreasonable for saying... Yeah. You, a woman who clearly knows how to play poker, wants to play poker, and is welcomed by the other members of the group and fits our dynamic, you're still not allowed on the basis of your gender, then I think Tim is out of line. Yeah, agreed. Especially after he spent the whole episode telling a newly married man how to <laughs> how to not fight with his wife. Yeah. Now, this is, this is what touches, I think... About my problem with this episode, uh, and and you used a couple terms earlier, um, which stereotypes. Um, that th- this is my big issue overall is that it just feels so. I don't even know what the proper terms would be. I don't want to say patriarchy, matriarchy, whatever, but because uh, that's that's totally not. I'm just using big words as meta messages here. Hey, can you spell that? <laughs> but it's 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 very much. This is what women talk about uh, while they're putting on facials and watching a Spencer Hepburn movie. Uh, of course you identified the movie <laughs> off of the black and white cathode ray TV. <laughs> and this is what, you know, um, men are going to be talking about around the the poker table. And, I mean, up until the very last moment of this episode where we get these kind of like... Um, I don't even these these overlays on the poker chips with what <laughs> yeah. Jill and her sister Robin are talking about. Really weird credit sequence. I mean, there there's a moment between Jill and Robin where she Jill admits I trained him that way. That was a good. In, that was one of the better moments in the show. Is what? Yeah, in this episode. 
Well, that's a moment that I took a lot of issue with, where it's like, you know, that's the stereotype that's like women have to train men to suit, you know, to to tame them into being domesticated to, you know, and I think that this is kind of playing on what this whole show is trying to have a conversation about. Yeah. Um, You know, the wild man inside of men that needs to be tamed and domesticated and whatever. But it's that's the, the sort of thing that just drives me nuts about like men are so incapable of understanding and being sensitive that they need to be trained they, yes. their entire being needs to be altered in order to uh accommodate and understand a woman or family life it, it just really bothers me and i don't i don't fully disagree with you i mean i, I think that Partially, you know, a really nuanced look at gender dynamics is not going to happen on a '90s sitcom, <laughs> no matter what. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I, but I, to some degree, I kind, I think the reason that I liked what Jill was saying to Robin about she was comparing, uh, they're they're upstairs and and Robin is complaining about Charlie and what a slob he is and saying why can't he be more like Tim? Tim is so great. And mm-hmm. Jill says, oh, he wasn't always that way. I had to train him. Remember that puppy that we had that we had to train, and. I think that, yeah, sure, this notion that men are, like, the, the way that the show puts it, that, that and so much of Tim Allen's comedy also, is that men are kind of feral beasts and women have to, yeah. women's role is to, to bring them to a more civilized point. That's that's a, a gross exaggeration. But having been around uh, men who are more Timish, I mean, we are a couple of owls, let's be honest, yeah, but having, sure. having, especially in college, I lived with a bunch of Tims, and I... Kind of, I I get it. Like mm-hmm. I I've seen the way I lived in a house with three other men, and I was the only. I was by far the most uh, feminine, and you know, cleaning or yeah. Well, it's not that cleaning is a feminine trait, but just bear yeah. with me. I got you. I was the one person there who was like, "Hey, maybe the whole house smells like stale beer and and bo, and there's laundry, and the sink is full of dishes, and there's ants crawling and everything. Maybe we should clean this." I've seen what it's like mm-hmm. when. I, I don't know. I feel that, that men have certain tendencies that go unchecked, and it's not a matter of men being slobs. It's just there are certain things that certain a certain type of man doesn't think about, the certain stereotypical Tim sort of right. man. And now, of of that group, at least one or two of them are married now, or in the process of getting married, and I see the pictures that they're posting, and it's these guys who were unshaven and not showering for four days at a stretch, and, yeah. you know, wearing... Uh, you know, gym shorts to the bar and everything are now, you know, they're, oh, I'm here, here I'm at the Pottery Fest with my fiance. Yeah, well, that's, this is kind of what I'm talking about is the, there's a threshold somewhere here that I feel is so often overlooked and that, yes, <laughs> college men often need to be civilized, brought into an acceptable part of society. Yes. You know, put on deodorant, wash your clothes. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like they need to be trained and stripped of that, of whatever is making that, you know. Oh, sure. So that they're emasculated to a point where they have to go to, you know, Pier 1 every weekend. <laughs> you know, like, it's... That's the... That that's that's the that's the 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 low point, huh? Is going to going to Pier One every weekend. <laughs> well, it's just every it's, other weekend you've got one ball left, but it's every weekend that's too much. But you know, it's just it's it's stripping uh, a sense of identity and persona. I feel like 
to a certain degree. I no, I okay. Well, I I, sir, I agree there that this idea that that all masculine traits must be stripped away forever. I, I I guess what I'm referring to is more that your worst you need to moderate your worst traits that that uh, that bachelors tend to have and yeah. bring those into check out of love for someone else and this idea of cohabiting with someone. Yeah. But yeah, I don't believe that like men should stop scratching themselves and farting. It's right. Just, uh, yeah. It's just that there's a. I I just hate the I the 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 connotations that come with training someone like robin gives this specific example he leaves uh, his dirty clothes on the floor and wet towels on the bed i would hate that as well that would drive me nuts but to train somebody means you're taking their will out of the equation whereas like just have a conversation with them yeah, maybe we're getting a little too deep into the psychology of men, women, and uh, and poker family dynamics here. <laughs> I, See, I, this this whole episode has been a ploy for me to understand your tells, <laughs> so that I can. <laughs> this is how I work. This is how I manipulate you. So my my first tell, I'm training you, Truman, is that I don't know how to play poker. So you'd have to train me how to play <laughs> poker in the first place to then get my money from me. This poker is just a metaphor. I'm talking about life. Oh God, <laughs> my, my 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 brain is repretzled now. <laughs> Salted or unsalted? Uh, this this is cinnamon and uh, and mustard. It's really a disgusting oh, pretzel. All right, yeah. Well, let's 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 go a little more broad with this whole episode because I feel like we've gotten into the nitty gritty. Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> well, we've been talking about broads all night, huh? Women, am I right? Wubba lubba dub dub. Uh, I was not going to, I'm not laughing at the joke, I'm laughing at the sound effect. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. I, I cribbed it 100% from a Dan Harmon show, so it's not even, it's not even original, but. Oh, okay. This is, this is the, this is the derivative podcast where we talk about one show and make jokes from another show. Uh, Let's, I want to talk uh, for a half a second about the guest stars on this, because we get oh, three. Yeah, I'll start um, the timer now, and we're done. <laughs> All right, well, we get our second Oscar nominee, uh, we had uh, Ernest Borgnine, who was our first Oscar winner. Yes. We have our second Oscar contender. Yes. I- I'm wondering if you recognize her, because she was very... Well, I- I'm telling you who it is. Robin. Yeah. Do you know the actress? Can you can you pinpoint? Because she looks way different. She's way younger here. She, I'm, so, I'm so bad at this game, but I'm thinking, okay, wait, it's not... It could not possibly be Hilary Swank. No. No, she, she I think she was doing uh, the next Karate Kid at this time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> She's uh, meditating with monks over kung fu. Oh uh, man, I don't know. Who, who, who? Amy Ryan. Oh, from The Wire. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, that. Okay, stop the podcast for watching it again. Amy Ryan from season two of The Wire and several other seasons of The Wire and The Office. That the was office? Amy Ryan. Yeah. Isn't that from Birdman? Yeah. For that was. Uh, Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. That was Amy Ryan. That was Amy Ryan. You were right. She looks very different. Yeah. Well, she was kind of a brunette in this one, and she's known for her blonde hair. Amy Ryan. Yeah. Freaking, oh my god, Officer Beatty Russell, Amy Ryan. <laughs> These are all references I don't understand. I know, I know. It's it's me just making more references to other shows. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's she is such a big part of The Wire, yeah. and I, the, she was well, on that, this. You should have told me. That that should be your pitch for me to see The Wire, because I love Amy Ryan. Okay. Well, you know, she admittedly she gets introduced in what is, uh, without question, the worst season of The Wire, but then she stays throughout the subsequent great seasons oh, of The Wire. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, there you go. There's okay, also, well, I'll put it on tomorrow. Yeah. yeah be, be, it's a it's a lighthearted look at the inadequacies of the criminal justice system. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Okay, well, Amy Ryan, yeah. good for you. I, man, I really legit kind of want to watch that again, just so I can just so I can realize. 
that's her. Uh, oh, okay. I, we have two other guest stars yeah, yeah, here that yeah, I just kind of want to mention them, yeah. real quick. Tom Verica, who uh, he's you know he's still working pretty uh, prolifically in television. He's on uh, How to Make a Murder. Or how to get away with murder? Yeah, how to make a murder? <laughs> I got my. Is that, is that like is that like cooking with Irma, hosted by Robert Durst? <laughs> okay, the first thing you want to do is establish a good alibi. You need people to think you're in a different place when you kill the lady, and it's always a lady, believe me. Second thing, don't steal the sandwich. Pay for it. Learned that one the hard way. Oh, uh, more, uh, more. The scenarios for Truman the Bus out is Robert Durst impression. I, I know. That's that's so spot on. Uh, I he, hope he doesn't escape from prison, because that would really... He would come after me for that. Um, he has to marry you first. So, he's also in American Dreams, Zodiac, Flags of Our Father. Um, the other guy... I don't know if this was a big movie of yours growing up, but uh, Ray Burke played uh, um, the the mechanic friend, uh, Fred. Freddy, I think he's called on this. Um <laughs> he was in the Naked Gun movies oh. as the villain Pap Schmier. <laughs> uh, you know, I've probably I've probably seen one and a half Naked Gun movies. Like, was it thirty three and a half? The Final Insult. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> you have missed thirty two and a half of a movie. Oh God, dude! More pretzels, man! Don't bring math into it. A little and fractions also. I've I've seen them like on cable cobbled together, not yeah. in order, but so it, it wasn't as much a part of my childhood as I imagine it was of yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I loved those growing up, and I you know was too young to understand the entendre of Pap Schmier and it being a villain, and yeah, uh, just you know being kind of a. I still don't exactly. Uh, we won't get into that. Uh, well, yeah, this is this isn't this isn't women's health work. No, so um, write in and explain to us, but do not send pictures. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, those are our guest stars this episode. Um, I just thought you know, we got yeah. it. two two Oscar nominees, one winner. Well, I guess one winner, one nominee. Yeah, in one season. Well, Amy, That's crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Although, I mean, Amy Ryan wouldn't be an Oscar nominee until a ways down the a ways True, down yes. the line. We do have an Oscar winner as a winner on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. The the, the past and the and the future. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk? For a second about, about transitions, yeah, is that where you're going? You could hear it in my voice. I could. I, you, this episode, I felt like was taking personal offense at you. It was like it was I like don't... this episode listened to last week's show and was like, "Oh, those motherfuckers think we're done with the with the transitions." Well, guess what, Truman? And it's just like it's like if 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 transitions are a toilet in a middle school bathroom, this show is the bully holding my head under the water and flushing. Six... Right, b- before we get too deep into them, okay. the specifics, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a specific question about it, which is, you're, you're clearly displaying a bit of anger. <laughs> just, just because, just because I thought it was over. What, what, for you, what would have to happen, transpire, uh, for you to have a change of heart about these transitions? Because they aren't going away. Carmen Finestra would have to walk into the room, shake my hand, and say, "Hey Truman, we go a little overboard sometimes, but just bear with us. It's a good show." And I'd be, and I would stand up, I would cry three tears, and I would hug him. Uh, and and you know, he's not the only producer on the show. 
but his is the name that I can remember, and it's the most fun to say on the air. Finestra. <laughs> Matt Williams always stuck out to me as a kid because I was super big into baseball at the time, and there was a uh, San Francisco Giant named Matt Williams who I had a lot of baseball cards. Of. Okay. And I'm like, why is, how is he, why is a baseball player producing these TV shows? Because you got to diversify. you got to take that baseball money. you got to put in something else. You're not going to have those, those baseball playing hips forever. I don't know what, what body parts you really use in baseball, but you got to plan for your future. I wish more athletes, it seems like so many athletes always like, if they do anything, it's like they open some flashy bar or restaurant that then goes out of business and they go bankrupt. Yeah. I want them to start executive producing shows. <laughs> Be like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. And executive produce and star in Ballers. <laughs> uh, so these transitions, though. Yeah, okay, go into so, no, well, yeah, no, uh, give, give me your... The, look, I, I, there need to be a certain amount of... Tra- like, the sh- transitions are a part of the show. Yeah. It was just last week, they kind of... It was If you listen, I remember we talked about it. It was like, oh, yeah, they, sc- they scaled it back. It yeah. came down. I think I also said, though, that transitions will rise again. And did. I just didn't... I you didn't knock on wood when you said it. That must have been it. Well, is this Formica? <laughs> is this wood? What kind of table no are we dealing with is. here? Well, there's our problem. Uh, so we get... At one point, uh, Robin throws uh, Charlie's car keys out into the backyard. Mm-hmm. From that scene, we get a flying car keys transition right into the screen. Yeah. Uh, Tim makes a joke after when he and Charlie are, are out there looking for the keys. They're talking about, oh, women nag so much. Uh, women, yeah. uh, you know, even in caveman times. Hey, Charlie, you know the, the reason that men invented the wheel? It's so they could get away from the women. Uh, then a wheel appears on screen and rolls away. There was a poker chip, I think. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, it turns into a poker chip yeah. and it rolls away yeah. like a wheel. The, the, poker chips and wheels are the same shape. Um, uh, then, then there the source of Robin and Charlie's argument has been uh, uh, Robin wants to drive and Charlie won't let her, and and they try to make up. And she says, "Okay, will you let me drive the car when I want to?" And he says, "I'm I said I was sorry, not stupid." And she storms off. And then we get a transition where a graphic of a car with a woman behind the wheel comes roaring down the z-axis into the screen. We have the guys downstairs playing poker. They make some joke. The screen goes into black and white, and then we pull back, and the previous scene is playing on a black and white TV in Jill's room, and then the TV changes to the the Spencer and Hepburn or whatever movie that's playing, and then we get a transition that turns <laughs> into, like, the, them in the room, and it, the whole room goes white, and then there's, like, a suit on it like a card suit and then it flips backwards away from this overhead shot of the table down and then the previous scene becomes one of the cards on the table and then and then at one point Tim when when uh, when Jill comes down and wants to play canasta Tim starts screaming and then the whole screen fades to white but then the area around his face turns into a red diamond that bounces all over going duke 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 and it's just it's just too much I just can't take this shit just cut from one scene to another. I wouldn't if there had been three of these transitions and not effing six of them in twenty-two minutes. It's oh, how much can a man take? And you know what else? I don't even think that's all of them. I think there were other trans. Those are just the ones I wrote down. I I can't anymore with this. And it's not even the end of the first season. They're breaking me in half. I actually thought it was a funny episode, but man, these transitions. Sorry, I went to the bathroom. What did I miss? Uh, the transitions were great. <laughs> They were all wonderful. I feel, I, yeah, I feel much better. I, I, I understand. I understand, uh, and I hear every word that you're saying. It sounds like you're not agreeing with me, though. I need your support. I, well, right now. I don't hate them the way that you do, and I will say that maybe I'm, I'm being a little too forgiving in that uh, 
they have at least learned their lesson from not intruding upon the scene coming or going from. Like, it's not a teardrop that's ten seconds into dialogue no, anymore. And, and that drops into into someone's milk. Yeah, right, exactly. It's the one that I... Admittedly, when I'm... When the transitions are on screen, I'm usually taking notes, so I miss a lot of them. Maybe that's why I don't have as much anger as you Are you saying I should take more notes? Is that it? How about I do the podcast the way I want to, and you do the podcast the way you want to? But the one that I did notice was uh, it turns into a card, flips over, and lands on the table into the deck. Uh, That one kind of reminded me of the milk going into the thing, where it's just like, it's not really apropos of anything they're saying, but it turns into a prop on the, the... thing i did there was a moment early in this episode though i think it was the keys transition where there were like two or three lines of dialogue leading up to it where i'm like they wrote that dialogue specifically for that transition and that felt contrived okay okay so you're there with me at least a little bit of the way yes i just don't feel your anger because i don't feel any emotion okay well you gotta you gotta (laughs) teach me that skill man i would love to be bulletproof too (laughs) so we do we learn a few interesting um tidbits of information in this episode or timbits timbits let's not touch timbits <laughs> let's leave that to jill she does it plenty as is it's very true um so tim and jill have been married for 12 years it's repeated a couple times throughout this episode yes. how old do you think brad is Ooh, brad is 11 i think he's 12 oh and my reasoning for that is that mark was six at the beginning of this epi- uh, season and became seven. We didn't see it on screen, but it's addressed. You're six in one of the early episodes, and then you're seven. Yeah. Thus, at least a year has passed. I mean, we're, we're nearing the end of the season, so yeah, we can assume fair to say, you know, at least nine months have passed. The, yeah. The statistically, Brad has probably had a birthday to be twelve. Yeah. At this point, um, and this is not to condemn. <laughs> any kind of choices uh a rush any shotgun marriage or anything yeah, but yeah. you know uh i'm wondering if this is uh just to develop the the timeline and the the story of tim and jill a little bit i'm wondering if they got married because uh jill was pregnant with bread you know in an earlier episode tim says you can trust me and she says last time you said that we had mark right maybe if she'd had more time she would have said and brad and randy <laughs> I, you know, I, maybe so, but I gotta say, for two people who had a shotgun wedding yeah. to uh, cover up the fact that she was preggers, it turned out pretty well. They're it not did. they're not living in a trailer. With all due respect to any of our listeners who do live in trailers, trailers are fine. Uh, but like they live in a, you know, they have a nice house. He has a nice yeah. job. They seem to love each other. I mean, yeah, I, it I, this, all seemed to fall together well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why I wasn't condemning it at all. I'm just oh, kind sure. of like trying to, to add some depth to this. Uh, and you know, I would even go one step further. It we. I would say almost definitively learned that Mark was a mistake. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> as I commented before. Uh, yeah, he was an unplanned pregnancy. Um, I think that this kind of lends to Brad being one. Now, doing the math, which I know we hate to do on this show. Yeah, it's one of the, our worst parts. <laughs> we learned that Randy is 13 months Younger than Brad a couple episodes ago. Yes. Who in their right mind would have an unplanned pregnancy, get married because of it, and then plan another pregnancy right after? I So what, what I'm posing here is that all three kids were unplanned. 
<laughs> Neither Tim or Jill wanted kids, but Tim just had that super <laughs> sperm, and they couldn't they couldn't stop it. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say didn't want them, but didn't plan for them at the moment that they had them. Uh, Tim's, uh, Tim's sperm had more power. <laughs> Does it upset you that I keep saying sperm yeah. on our podcast, that people have to listen to the word sperm again and again? You just kind of denigrate just what we're doing. the word moist. Well, you, well, you did, so. Uh, that's true. Um, no, but maybe, maybe he tried to do, he tried to, like, put more power into his condom, and it just, like, <laughs> it uh, backtracked the, the way that it uh, normally does. You see, you see, Jill, the problem with the condom is that it covers the entire, mm. <laughs> We don't need to go much more yeah, graphic yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I see, I see where that joke is going. We've got the explicit tag, but I don't want to earn yeah. it that badly. Uh, um, can we take a quick detour to mm-hmm. uh, Grunt Countland? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do we got for uh, the Grunt Count this week? What do you think we got? Ooh, this is an interesting game. Um, wow. Oh, God. I, I My gut is telling me it's lower than I think it is. My brain is telling me it's in the 20s. My gut is saying it's maybe around 9. Well, neither one is exactly right. I'd say some. What does your esophagus think? <laughs> your esophagus probably has the right idea. Uh, 13. Uh, close. Okay. 17. Oh, wow. Which is right on par. I think last week we were discussing this, that mm-hmm. the kind of average, it tends to average out if it's not a 7 grunt episode, it's usually a 16 or 17 grunt mm-hmm. episode. So this was a 17 grunter. There were uh, just a bunch of them kind of up front as usual. Yeah. Uh, so what you're telling me is that all my life choices that I have to make from here on out, I have to listen to what my brain's telling me, feel what my gut's telling me, and then do the math to find the right answer. A lot, there's a lot of math in your future, Landon. You're going to be you're going to be averaging out your feelings. You're going to have to assign numerical values <laughs> to to squishy affairs of the heart and of the head, and then try and split the difference to get to the sternum of the matter. Oh my god! Uh, I think the sternum is in the middle of the chest. There's really nothing that, that yeah, I know no, that's, that's about. The, that's the okay, cartilage that's a, in the that connects your rib cage. Oh, okay. Cage. Oh, and then when you're giving someone CPR, you sometimes accidentally break that. Yeah, I think you're supposed to, actually. Ugh, God. Uh, in order to get the, the heart pumping. If I ever have a heart attack here, just let me die. I don't want to break my sternum. Not, not How do you good. feel about tracheotomies? Ugh, <laughs> not great about that either. Actually, yeah, fuck my sternum. Go for it. No, wait, no, break my sternum. Don't, the other thing. <sighs> Tracheotomy first. Um, okay, so we learned <laughs> that uh, Jill's uh, sister and brother-in-law have been married for 23 days so. yeah that doesn't that doesn't really come up until kind of midway through yeah. which is a crucial piece of information yeah 23 days i feel like they just came back from their honeymoon and now all of a sudden they're going uh, to poker night wow well and and fighting at poker night too that's uh, <laughs> that's a uh, the honeymoon is over yeah uh do you want to talk a little bit about al in this episode i uh, yeah i mean <laughs> yeah al comes over for poker night and mm-hmm. he uh and he you know, unlike me at Poker Night, he seems to know what the rules are and doesn't have to have the well. Actually, well, no. no, he does not. Yeah, he does not. He thinks he has a flush, and he just has all black cards. He he does he does the bit from Ocean's Eleven where Brad Pitt is trying to teach the guys poker, and one of them goes all reds. <laughs> uh, so he yeah, so he, he does not really know the game. Also, he's he folds every single hand. Yeah, and they and they're making fun of him for it. He says, "I prefer to be cautious." <laughs> And I love that he has his uh, stack of chips is so neatly organized yeah. uh, by color, by row, everything. There's not a, a chip out of place. Yeah. Uh, that In that regard, I'm very much like an L, especially when playing poker. I need things to be very 
um, prim and proper yeah. uh, to throw people off my scent that I play sloppy. Uh, you've, you, <laughs> you like to have your chip together. It's a really, it's a weak pun in the way that, like, a movie poster about chipmunks will try and do, like, ugh, chip happens, and it's it's a really poor play on a swear. I just came back. What did I miss? Uh, I, nothing, just the best joke <laughs> I've made on this show. This is the, this is really, I think, a high point for my comedy. My my dad jokes are, are, are strong. Um, well, let me mention something about Al here. I love that Al's uh, version of unwinding is to unbutton the top button of his flannel. Like, he's exactly the same as he is on Tool Time, just with the un- the top button unbuttoned. Uh, well, another another thing about Al unwinding is on the set of Tool Time backstage, when he gets invited to Poker Night, yeah. he cracks open the king of beers. I have to imagine Disney does not want us to watch this episode. Like, I would would not be surprised if they pulled it from syndication because everyone's smoking and uh, Al's drinking beers behind the scenes. They they, uh, they they pull an E.T. where all of the stogies are walkie-talkies and the beer <laughs> is also a walkie-talkie. People <laughs> are just biting on walkie-talkies for some reason. <laughs> well, so that's in, in the previous episode where Al is trying to host and there's that guy talking on the cell phone, he actually was holding a beer in his hand, <laughs> but they, they green-screened in the cell phone instead. Oh, my God, I love that. Um... Yeah, but I love uh, Al's uh, persona here. And, you know, not to belabor the point that we (laughs) belabored earlier, but um, the way that Al fits into this man's game, uh, I feel like they're intentionally pushing him to the outskirts a little bit. Of course. They invite him on the the premise that they're going to take his money because he doesn't know, he hasn't played poker in 10 years. With his $3 limit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gonna get rid. Well, I guess three dollars went further in the nineties. Yeah, barbaric times that they were. <laughs> so I, I have to take issue with uh, with a line that the, the show really wanted to be big. They oh, wanted this God. to be a knockdown. Oh, God, I think I know where you're going. See, this is upsetting you as much as the transitions are. So just understand that the sickness is in all of us here. So, well, before you get to the line, we uh, just to give some context before you get into this. Uh, at one point, Mark comes downstairs and looks over Tim's shoulder at his cards, and he goes, "Is three kings good?" And everyone goes, "Fold, fold, fold." Mm. Uh, you know. So <laughs> uh, later, I, and I'm assuming this is the joke you're going into. Um, Robin comes downstairs and looks at Charlie's hand and says, "Oh no, no, I'm sorry." And yeah, she she just comes downstairs and wants to talk. And yeah. Charles like, can we not do it right now? And she's insisting. Yeah, because I have three aces. Yeah. Uh, and everyone goes, fold, fold, fold. Yeah. Um, and they get into this little argument, and he's like, they they start to make up here, and she yeah. goes, oh, so it doesn't matter um, that you had the three aces? Uh, she says, are you mad about the three aces? And he says, no. Just give me a sec. <laughs> Are you mad about the three aces? No, but I'm crazy about the four tops. <laughs> and in that moment, I wanted to be Renee so that I could walk away. <laughs> That's my four tops joke. I uh, Yeah, well, uh, I don't really know how to shoehorn It's That Same Old Song in, into this. <laughs> like, it, like, I don't get, like, is it just they're in Detroit, so Motown? 
the, that we, that's the joke that we do? Uh, no, I mean, I think that Motown and, and doo-wop and um, those were popular at the time. I mean, especially uh, Detroit's biggest radio station was Oldies 104.3 WOMC. Uh, that must which... have been a hell of a radio station jingle. I can hear, <laughs> I can hear it, the music in it, <clears throat> without you even saying yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, it, I mean, that part didn't ring off this... Un- inauthentic? Dis- disauthentic. Just didn't ring. Uh, I just melted. <laughs> didn't ring untrue. The episode bottomed out at that Four Tops joke. Uh, I would say the series did uh, at that moment. It's just, it, there, if they had been talking about the Four Tops earlier, that yeah. was the best thing. They had a room oh, full of writers. They couldn't go... There's a lot of funny jokes on this show, and it was written by funny people, and episodes are well-written. And this episode had a lot of funny bits, but really, guys? Two thumbs down. Yes, I agree. That was probably the worst joke of the season so far. Um, But I will transition into my favorite line, which came very shortly after. Jill comes down uh, to sit with the the players, and Tim's adamant against this, but Ray... uh, I'm sorry, his name's Freddy on the show character freddy's like ah, i'll let her play and tim's like no 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 women at this table uh no one can play poker unless they can bench 150 pounds <laughs> and then al just silently gets up very earnestly <laughs> as if he thinks it's a real rule <laughs> like, sit that, down al that moment made me laugh so hard it was good that was good uh also Another detail we get when Tim goes outside to talk to Wilson about how uh, Charlie and, and Aunt Robin have been fighting, mm-hmm. uh, Wilson says, well, Tim, I remember 12 years ago, another newly married couple moved in here and was fighting all the time. So that means, A, he's known Wilson for 12 years. B, this is this is their starter house that they're still living in. Right. Well, this is a pretty damn good starter house. I know. Well, maybe. We don't really know what it looks like. In the outside. Well, that's true, but I mean, it has an upstairs, downstairs. You got to imagine it has a master bedroom and at least, at least one other bedroom. I would yeah. assume two. But... He, he attached propellers to it at some point and lifted <laughs> it into the air. But it's got a basement, a garage. Uh, I mean, uh, and a yard. I've of seen starter houses, <laughs> and especially in Michigan and in this area, the Ferndale area. Uh, you know, it's usually like a two-bedroom apartment just. Are they, are they in Hamtramck or are they in, Fer, in Ferndale? T- they're Tell not, me once they're and not, for all. They're not in Ferndale. Pick a but, side. We're at war. Uh, I, it's never, or it hasn't been stated yet, but I'd say they're in Hamtramck. Okay, good. I just, I need to know for myself. <laughs> but Ferndale is like right down the street. Okay. And so I, residential areas, I could see starter homes. Um, you know, it depends on what side of 8 Mile you're on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, I'm sure Eminem lives in their neighborhood too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's more to be talked about in this episode. Do you want to go into the analogy uh, that Wilson has about the tree and the barbed wire? So Tim and Jill get into kind of a fight late in the episode. Like after yeah. after Robin and Charlie make up, you know, Jill sits down at the table, and that's when Tim gets all yeah. upset because he doesn't want her to play. And so then he comes out later and is talking to Wilson about how. You know, uh, you know, I've been with with Jill for so long, but she still makes me mad, and sometimes I just get mad at her because she's a woman, yeah. which is, I mean, you know, not cool, but fairly astute to be able to see that and observe it and talk about sure. it and try yeah. and address it. Yeah. Uh, and Wilson tells this whole uh, story about uh, I don't know what, like when he was a kid, there was a fence, a barbed wire fence that had, and a tree had kind of grown up around the fence. So the what fire the, the fence went right through the tree, mm-hmm. and neither one destroyed the other. Both became one, 
they grew into one thing yeah yeah and he's kind of equating this to marriage and two and, people coming together yeah it's a, yeah so wilson <clears throat> kind of lays this whole thing out you know oh they 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 grew together and neither you know and they they belonged together and became became the same thing and tim looks back at the house and says like me and jill it's like cool thanks for thank you we would not <laughs> have picked up on what wilson was saying yeah. if you hadn't well, my my issue with this, not that, you know, we take a lot of issue with everything in this episode, apparently, but... Well, we'd have nothing to talk about on the podcast if we didn't yeah. take issue with I, things. I don't like Wilson's hubris in this, uh, this exchange, because he starts this whole story with, well, you know, because Tim asks, you know, how do men and women even stay together? Mm. And Wilson's like... Well, it has to do with barbed wire. <laughs> and starring Pamela Anderson... As Lisa. Oh, interesting. That's that's a that's a DVD case that I remember uh, looking at in the video store. With uh... I think it's on HBO right now. Oh well, okay. So we know what we're doing after this. <laughs> it's always on HBO. Only the best <laughs> on HBO. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I just the like it's it has to do with barbed wire. Mm. I thought he was going to go into some sort of allegory about barbed wire, but really, what he's doing is like. This has to do with my perspective on life. And my perspective is important to your guidance. That That's where I kind of took a little like, okay, Wilson, let's calm down with your, your high horse. Okay, God, get off your high horse. <laughs> I... I don't know. I, I'm I'm willing to give him a pass because Wilson, like Tim, has been coming into his backyard and and yeah. interrupting Wilson's evening and asking for help for twelve years. I think Wilson is at this point allowed to project a little bit. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, I'll give him a pass on that. Yeah, but I, I just I yeah yeah I give him a pass. All right. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else here? Uh, the oh, I it, Wilson did. I did one more mention of Wilson. Uh, he's telling the story about the barbed wire fence and everything. It was mm-hmm. on his uncle's farm, Uncle Leonard. Oh. So, um, Wilson had an uncle. Leonard Part 6, starring Dr. Bill Cosby. I, Why do we bring Cosby into this show so much? I, I'm highlighting what is arguably one of the worst movies ever made, starring one of one of the worst people. I mean, there have been a lot of bad people. There have been more bad yeah. people than bad movies, but he's a bad dude. Yeah. In a bad movie, like I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, the Cosby Show, all those great episodes made by a by a horrible man. I'm yeah. I'm highlighting the bad work he's done. Here's the weird part: Matt Williams, co-creator of the show, one of the co-creators of the Cosby Show. Mind pseudo blown, <laughs> a little bit blown. Yeah, would it? Would you say your mind is in a pretzel? No, no, it's not in a pretzel. It might be in a churro or maybe a hot dog on a stick. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, might be Dippin' Dots. What other foods do you get at malls? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is why I can't record when I'm hungry. I'm like I'm like George Foreman. All I can think about is food. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you have anything else? I, I've the, got one other note. Yeah. This is very just just from the opening credits. Something I noticed a detail. Okay. Uh, in the background behind Patricia Richardson, when they introduce her, mm-hmm. I'm not fully sure I approve of this. If this is what they're trying to suggest, uh, well, look. So numerous episodes end with or feature Jill. Uh, propositioning Tim for sex. Yes. Uh, in the opening credits, in the background behind Jill, screws. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. You're saying that she likes to screw. I'm saying that the show creators are trying to suggest that to us. And, and uh, you know, I'm not... I'm, I'm just asking questions. 
I'm just, just pointing fingers, right? I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just pointing fingers, asking questions, yeah. drawing comparisons. Okay. I, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I don't know. You don't disagree that screws appear behind her in the opening credits? <laughs> I, it might, maybe it's a coincidence, yeah. but, uh, you know. I mean, it could be subliminal, who knows? Yeah. Um, I'd say it uh, requires further investigation. Okay. Well, I, I, I give you the the green light to uh, extend your case. To, so you're you're giving permission to keep watching the opening credits of Home Improvement. <laughs> yes. Cool. That, well, thanks, Chief. I'll have something for you soon. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, this is what the wire is. <laughs> All right. I don't have anything else for this episode. I, it actually I, went on way longer than I thought it would. Yeah. Yes. That uh, same for me. Um, all right. Well, uh, the show notes for this episode, uh, as always, will be posted on our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. Uh, if you enjoyed what we do here, please share our show. Uh, it really helps people find us. Uh, plus, when you share us, we'll give you a pass on the you have to bench press more than 150 pounds rule to play poker with us. <laughs> uh, and on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter to get notifications and I've been posting some of the show notes, the grunt count, uh, trivia, that kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> you can also find us on the social media places at GruntWorkPod with that. Landon, do you know what time it is? It's time to get a pretzel, man. Mm. Don't ever make that noise again. Mm.